0: That's noom.com to sign up today.
1: Hello, and welcome to On the Farm Picture List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I am your host, Lamar Gibson. And I am your host, Jake Mache. And today, uh, technically speaking, uh, we are in the second half of the minor league schedule Um, and kind of because of that or in part because of that, we're going to be looking at prospects currently in the minors that we expect to be making their biggest contributions to the major league teams uh, in the second half of the major league season as we're getting closer and closer to major league all-star break. Um, So we have a, a list of both hitters as well as pitchers. That we expect to be getting the call probably within the next month or so and um, sticking around, sticking around on their teams and uh, making some major contributions there. So redraft folks might be one to listen to pay attention to obviously our dynasty folks um, names that you're all going to be familiar with uh, that we're going to be talking through before that. We're going to get into this week in baseball. Um, I'm going to hold Jake. I'm going to make you wait for the for the first bullet point because I know you want to go crazy about that one. So we're going to go through the, the other bullet points real quick. So I can give you your space and your time to go crazy. Um, Clayton beater promoted to AAA made his first AAA start for the Yankees. Uh, the line was five and a third three on runs one six hits, three walks, six strikeouts, a wild pitch. Uh, so a mixed bag from beater, which kind of tends to be his deal. I think he has um, somewhat rectified since the trade from LA to New York. I, I think, A lot of people were starting to be out on Beater around the time of that trade of thinking maybe he's more reliever than starter. Um, I think since what he's done in double A, especially with the Yankees, um, now he seems at least like he could be a back end guy. I I think it seems to be a matter of just consistency of command and control with him. I think the stuff plays. Um, At the major league level of some some sort, but I think for him to be a starter and solidified, it's a matter of being consistent and him being able to execute on all of his pitches. Uh, Anything about Beater before we run to the next couple of bullet points we have here?
2: Yeah, I mean, he was um, really, I think got back into like serious starter consideration over the last like month or so. Mm-hmm. um his previous five starts at double a before being called up, he allowed a total of one unearned or one earned run. And, um, and it's, you know, his, his strikeout and walk numbers, you know, increased a little bit, but he didn't see like a huge jump in like the raw skills. And uh, it was just like all of a sudden he started getting really good at not allowing any runs. And I think the team kind of like rewarded him for that. Um, not a whole lot has changed as far as like, you know, his pitch mix or, um, you know, his his stuff, if, if you will. But, um, he's still kind of, you know, he's not exactly a big velocity guy. Uh, has a four seamer that sits like 93, maybe 94. Um, and then a slider that sits around 90 or 85. Um, those are his two primary pitches in his de- in his triple A debut. He threw them a total of 86% of the time and then just threw a ch- changeup and curveball a couple times each. Um, So, you know, he's not exactly like a, you know, like a contact suppressor, not exactly a big like whiff guy. He has solid stuff and um, it played up a little bit in AA, but um, you know, he got, he was, he got 13 whiffs and 95 pitches in in his debut the other on Friday night. So um, I someone to watch it as we, you know, now have Statcast data for him. We can kind of pay attention a little bit more to how this stuff is playing against better hitters and, and kind of go from there. But I think right now he's kind of like, Oh, like, He's he's popped off recently, and um, we'll kind of see how far he could take that. You know where the momentum's going to go. Uh, I think he's still kind of like I, I I doubt he'll get a like a a pretty long leash to get to the majors this year um, because you know the Yankees are um, you know have like some solid guys up and Rodon's coming back from injury and um, Will Warren I think is ahead of Beater right now and even though Will Warren's kind of disappeared recently I have no idea where he is I think he skipped a start but um, So yeah, so I think there's still some guys ahead of him and he still has some work to do to like really be a legitimate major league option. But Mm -hmm. um, the signs are good that he, you know, ended well in Double A and then saw the promotion and did all right.
1: Yeah. Um, Gavin Williams making his uh, MLB debut for the Guardians, uh, five and two thirds, four runs on four hits, three walks, four strikeouts. So another mixed bag sort of debut there. um, Highly anticipated. I think Williams was kind of the last off the big board so to speak as far as uh pitcher uh, pitching prospects that we anticipated seeing this year with the glut of guys that we've seen in the first uh, three months or so of the season um with uh, kind of a, a, a spectrum of debuts. we've had uh you know the the journeys of Grayson Rodriguez we've had uh the disappointments of Brandon Fodd and Gavin Stone we've had um, kind of the uh, continued improvements of Todd Bradley and um, Yuri Perez. Uh, we've had the sort of flashing pan perhaps of Mason Miller, and we don't know about that. And so like guys all over the map um with their with their debuts. and where do you see Williams? I, I guess from a um, dynasty standpoint, kind of on that spectrum for the rest of the season and going forward. And then from a re if you could also put your redraft hat on. And, yeah, and talk to us about Gavin Williams.
2: Yeah, so I think um, I think for Dynasty and Redraft, he's probably pretty similar in my like kind of valuation. He um, he doesn't have, I think, as much velocity as it's been hyped that he has in the past. You know, like there's been like kind of like whispers of like you know in some tweets of like oh he's hitting triple digits, and he hasn't been doing that consistently at AAA. Um, I don't even think he's hit 100 in AAA and potentially the whole season um I think he might have done it early on but not recently in the games I have been paying attention to and uh so he's averaging like 95 96 now um which is good and you know it's still like you know it's a it's a good fastball but it's not like the kind of the elite like over the top insane you know it's not it's not as good as Yuri's, it's not as good as um probably even Bryce Miller's um and so you know so that I think kind of sets expectations back a little bit um and what I did like from his debut is that he used multiple, he used more pitches. In AAA, he was almost entirely a fastball slider. Um, and if you're going to be a fastball slider like uh, Christian Javier or uh, Spencer Strider or Hunter Green, like one of those, at least one of those two pitches needs to be like elite, elite, top of the line. Um, and I don't quite think that he has one of those. I think they're both very, very good, but I don't think that one of them is elite that can kind of carry his arsenal if he uses them that too much. Um, so it was good to see that he also used. Um, his other pitches, he threw his, his changeup and his curve ball, almost as much as the slider, um, which is great. Like if you're facing major league hitters. They're better than AAA hitters use more pitches and he commanded them pretty well. He had a 48% zone rate, which is a bit higher than average and his pitch locations on the, on like the chart here are are pretty solid as well. He didn't miss a ton of spots. So I liked, especially with, with him, the kind of command was a big issue um early on and he's kind of improved it recently but still kind of gets wild here and there so it's good that he had more pitches and commended them better than we had seen the yes, issue it, it was just said it wasn't as much of like swing and miss as i think we expected um and it was just one start um but i think going forward um i could definitely see him kind of like improving from this even though it was kind of a mediocre start against the a's um i could see him kind of settling in probably just like just above Tanner Bybee, about the same as Taj Bradley and lower than Yuri and Bryce Miller. Um as far as just like like if I were to rank them for the rest of the season. Um and so so like I think he's solid. I think he's like on the major league team, probably solid like SP three. Um we forgot and about uh, Andrew Abbott as well. Andrew Abbott, I would probably have him a bit below Gavin Williams. So he'd probably be with like Tanner Bybee. Got it. yeah um so yeah so that's kind of like how i see how i see those guys going forward i still don't think williams has the ceiling of yuri um or like kind of like the the biggest prospect names i think he's kind of just like he's like like they're one a he's one b you know maybe c um so i still think he's solid but he doesn't i i think that kind of the hype and the the luster has kind of like worn off a little bit now that we've seen him and it's kind of and it was like all right you know so um i still think he's good i still want him right. if i have him i'm not like trying to sell him and like panicking um and it's like it's not the time to sell high or low or medium or whatever you're just kind of holding him and see how it goes right. um probably until the off season, and yeah. then he can kind that, of take a bigger that's, sample
1: that's the thing with pitching prospects and we may have talked about this before though right it's like the time if you're going to to move a pitching prospect like a pedigree pitching prospect gavin williams yuri whatever the time to do so if you're going to make that move is right before they get the call up like the if you can kind of time it out almost to be like the second to last really good start they have at in the minors before they get the promotion that's the time to sell at the highest because otherwise yes there's a chance that they come in and their first you know couple of starts or lights out and and you know the price so to speak goes even higher but more than likely it's like oh now do we know it's kind of like um i mean we just just uh came off like the first couple of rounds or i guess the, the entirety of the nba draft And it's kind of the same thing like you know the more you get to see the player the more you're going to start to pick nits about what the player can't do and it's kind of the same thing here it's like once they get to the major leagues the car has been driven off the lot and now it's picking up mileage. And now it's like, oh, well, Gavin Williams, like you said, like, oh, the fastball isn't as high v as we thought. Oh, you know, Gavin Stone, change up. Okay, that's causing problems, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if you can do that beforehand when they're still looking good in minors, it's like they could be anything. Yeah, but, right. You know. And then, you know, likewise, if you're going to hang on to them, it's not, it doesn't mean that you have to move every pitching prospect. Just that's the perfect window. And then after that, after that window closes, and they do make their makes start, you kind of in for a penny, in for a pound, right? Because like you can't move Brandon Fott right now. You can't really move Gavin Stone right now. You just gotta wait and hope that you know they get a second, you know, bite at the apple and it looks better. Um, because if you move them now, you're not gonna get anything of value, or you shouldn't. <laughs> if you're trading yeah. with anybody that knows what they're doing, you shouldn't get anything of value. And so it's not gonna benefit you. And you're you're now hoping against hope that they're gonna be permanently bad that they're never going to be good again because you had them for chief and then you let them go for chief. And now they could, you know, Gavin stone next year or Brandon brandify next year. Mason Miller could come back from injury and be back to looking really good. And now they're off your team. So um, interesting things to keep in mind when it comes to pitching prospects. Uh, Moving on, we got Samad Taylor. Samad Taylor tried to make me look really bad. I don't appreciate that. (laughs) No, kudos to Samad Taylor. The day that we recorded last week's uh, episode, the day that we recorded, I was out on Samad Taylor. We talked about him in, in our show, and I was saying, like, doesn't really impress me. He kind of did the same thing in uh, Toronto system, and he kind of looks like he's in line with all the other sort of mid-Kansas uh, City, middle and field slash sort of outfield type prospects. And what does he do that day? Uh, gets his first MLB hit, and it was RBI single. And it was really good. Like, it was a good at-bat um, extra innings game. What was that bottom of the ninth, I can't remember. I watched I it, I can't remember. Yeah. I watched it, and, and Jake immediately sent me a message. And like, <laughs> Taylor. I was like, I know he heard me. Um, since then, uh, kind of more what I expected, right? Four for yep. 25, three runs scored, two RBI, does have a stolen base, six strikeouts on three walks. That's kind of more in line with what I kind of expected and forecasted for Samat Taylor. But kudos to him, does have his first MLB hit. That's one more than I have, uh, and does have. <laughs> Uh, game winning RBI single to go along with it. So, um, that's Samad. Um, all right. I, we've talked enough. Go crazy. Jake, it's your time. I'm clearing out space. <laughs> We're talking oh, about man. the guy and the, the guy. team, man,
2: the, I will never, um, you know, I love the Reds, but I will never forgive them ever. Okay, I will never forgive them. You know why? Because we moved to Cincinnati, um, in, Oh man, I I, it was. I I think the trade that gave away Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez Mm -hmm. was maybe two or three weeks after we got to Cincinnati. At least that's what it felt like. That's how I remember it. Might not be the case, but it was pretty immediate. They tore like we got there and they tore down. They were like Jake is here, (laughs) burn it. We're tanking. We're tanking. Then the whole city got mad. And then I went and worked at a rooftop bar right next to the stadium that next summer, and it was like it was fun. But everyone was kind of like, "Oh man, the Reds! Like, screw the Reds!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, you know, they do the whole rebuild, make a bunch of trades. We move away. We're now in Rhode Island. Within within two weeks, within three, like within a month of of leaving, they are now the most exciting, <laughs> the most fun team in baseball they could not lose they go an 11 game winning streak they have two consecutive sellouts for the first time in uh, a decade the whole city's going crazy yeah. and i'm watching it on tv and i'm texting my friends in cincinnati and they're like at the game and they're yeah. sending me snapchats and i'm like this is brutal this that is, is cruel and unusual punishment um but the consolation prize is that i get to watch ellie de la cruz i guess right like yeah, i you saw go. the cycle watch the whole game um that was the last game of their winning streak when um you know they came back from 5-0 and and the place was going crazy and um it was actually kind of funny because like technically they were sold out for a while because mm-hmm. there was a zach brown concert afterwards mm-hmm. um, and so it was kind of coincidental that it also happened to be one of the most exciting games but then the next day when they sold out again that was more about the hype right. of the team and right, everything right, like right. that you that know but it didn't it, it definitely like it was a very, whoever planned that concert had some like galaxy brain thing happening. Um, cause they knew exactly, I guess what was happening, but, um, but man, I mean, yeah, watching, watching that, that team. And, um, we tell, we kind of talked about it a little bit on this podcast, I think yeah. a couple months ago, it was like, they could be the next, you know, Diamondbacks that are, you know, the next Orioles, the next yeah. kind of fun team to kind of come up. And it happened, I think a lot quicker than a lot of people expected Than I expected. Um, let and, me ask question. Yeah. This yeah, is a question.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've been dying. I, I, I purposely like holstered it didn't even <laughs> didn't even check it with you because i wanted to get real raw reaction is there a chance that ellie de cruz steals rookie of the year from corbin carroll mm, no okay no okay i just wanted to see how far your, your <laughs> then went no uh, way. you're saying like no.
2: not a chance no like, outside of too like much. Or
1: something crazy like that
2: yeah it, it would have to take something like that and even then I'm sure there are others that would give him a run, um, but no, I I think Corbin Carroll has it essentially in the bag um, because I mean he's just it's just such a huge head start. Um, the season's already almost half over, uh, and so. But I mean, the, with just with like the I mean, hype Michael, that he's got, I man. mean Michael Harris, he, he he came up. I mean, he came yeah, up bigger than
1: than Dela Cruz did.
2: I true, believe. I don't think there was a there wasn't a there, there wasn't, wasn't a front, front runner already there. Yeah,
1: right. Wasn't fr- I mean. I guess Strider hadn't really cemented because it really was, it, it really kind of happened up simultaneously. Him. Yeah. It really ended up being him and Strider. Strider was already up, but he hadn't really cemented he himself. He was in the bullpen past.
2: for a minute. It took him a
1: minute and to then, yeah, kind of he, get into he it. Made it start. So, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah.
2: But no, I mean, it's like, it, it's really interesting because, you know, the hype that we're seeing about LA De La Cruz, I think, is far and away beyond what we saw for Corbin Carroll. Um, At the beginning of the season. And it's so weird how that happens because like Corbin Carroll was a higher ranked prospect than Ellie. He has performed better than Ellie. He has less holes than Ellie by like he was always kind of the consensus like guy. He, He starts the year with the team and everyone's like this is fun, but it's not. It's just nowhere near the kind of level of hype. Is it like the anticipation? Is it waiting for the call-up? The call-up, the... I think the team kind of getting a little better has something to do with it. But I mean, we saw a similar thing for O'Neal Cruz. Like someone on Twitter, I think, um, said like, oh, we've never seen anything like this. And it's like, yeah, we have. O'Neal Cruz, even Jazz Chisholm was like pretty fine. Yeah, but I mean... Um,
1: I mean, the thing with O'Neal Cruz, though, was like, it was so... It feels at least like so short-lived. And it also kind of disjointed because like O'Neal Cruz thing was... Like the 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 inflection point was last year. The pirates were really good this year, but really have been good. Their their run was really kind of more after he had gotten hurt. So I think even the timing with like Dela Cruz, it was like it's literally like the flash of like he. It's almost it's my Orioles fandom showing yet again, <laughs> but it's kind of like what people anticipated with Adley coming up. Yeah, garner to an extent, and definitely what we expected, so to speak, with with Grayson. But it's kind of like it's that perfect point of like the team is ready. We're waiting for this guy who's the franchise guy. Boom, he shows up, and like that's that's the spark to the gasoline, and now everything's on fire, right? Like, and now everything's right. going. And it seems like he has that that narrative that Corbin doesn't. Like you said, like Corbin is just like really good, <laughs> and like the Diamondbacks are really good. But I don't think it's like that sort of like the city's going crazy. He's doing stuff we've never seen before, that sort of thing. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at uh the futures right now. I'm looking at odds for 2023 and L rookie odds okay. from DraftKings. This is on RotoWire. This is the DraftKings odds have okay, Orban at uh, minus five hundred. Yeah, that checks. And they have Ellie at plus three hundred. Right? Oh
2: odds. man, that's horrible odds on Ellie like um, even even like that's a that's hype odds that's just they they juice they juice the hell out of those there's no way that's that's the like a legit implied probability that's horrible so that's horrible so just to give like some more names
1: because you were saying like hey somebody you know yeah. even if Cor like god forbid but if Cor uh corbin Carroll got hurt and like who else could challenge? i mean they have alvarez pretty much everybody else at the same just about the same odds alvarez yeah. yuri abbott M- uh, so wait, hold on. Let me go back. Alvarez, uh, Yuri Perez, Andrew Abbott, plus five thousand for Alvarez, fifty five hundred mm. for Perez and Abbott, and then it gets into yeah. like plus six thousand. Like McLean Outman right. is plus seven thousand. Like, yeah, those are all. Like, yeah. None of these,
2: none of these guys are coming close. So I think the only mean, one that I can see making a case is Yuri if he continues because he has like a like a 1.8 ERA or something. Yeah, like. but I mean... I, but they're going to give him an innings cap.
1: Here, well, here's my thing is if Strider can't win against a guy yeah. that came up a month after he was already on the major leagues, I don't see like... I don't... You have to essentially be like 99 Pedro in order right. to be a pitcher and win rookie, in my opinion. Like that, if you... if, if Which is ridiculous. A guy, I mean... That's his own sort of whatever. Yeah, right. We no, don't have to talk no. about awards, but <laughs> it's just like that kind of, to me, sets the precedent for the modern day. Like if mm. Strider was literally doing things for his team and for the league that hadn't been done either ever or in many decades. And my I'm always been of the opinion when it comes to like awards and recognition, baseball is very old. And anytime you start being on a short list with some historic names, or you start talking about this has never right. been done before in the history of baseball, to me, that's like automatic Boosting because that says a lot, and you know, not to not trying to relitigate a whole season ago, but just saying, like, Michael Harris came. I think there's just always going to be that conscientious bias towards position players because they play every day, yeah, and we see them all the time versus pitchers. It was every you know, four to six days, and so I don't see how Yuri could outperform what Strider's done. Therefore, I think, yes, yes, I do think Carroll's in the pole position. Right, I don't know, man. All it could take is a cold streak, hot streak at the right time. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I, you know, if He's if Carroll goes cold, if Carroll goes cold in July, let's say half yeah. of July, Carroll goes cold, Diamondbacks hit a little bit of a skid, right? They hit, you know, they lose, they go five and five in a ten game stretch or something. He goes real cold, and Ellie's still just like. Crushing it,
2: mm. maybe. I'm going to look at just real. Ellie quick. has been a, a little lucky, a little lucky. He isn't exactly his his it's quality not, of contact right. approach still isn't optimal. Right. You know, he's super fast. Those so bad is going to be high. um I think he. So it's like you're talking about. Like so he ha- so Ellie has to maintain or at, or at least kind of like not fall off either. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If and Ellie goes cold, cover- then it's
1: done. Yeah. Yeah. If he gets a cold streak, then it's done because Corbin yeah. is, is clearly it's like
2: Corbin court already court. has he has 16 homers and 23 stolen yeah. bases. Yes, yeah. no, no 295. I, like I don't I, even yeah. think Ellie can get to either of those numbers. Well, maybe 23 stolen bases, he right. already has like seven but or eight. Home, yeah, home so, I, is, I, know, I don't think he's up. hitting 16 no, homers. I,
1: I agree. I think at the end of the day, Corbin Carroll is, is taking home National yeah. League Rookie of the Year I'm and plus trying. 300 is
2: criminal. You I'm, should not put, well, no I'm, one should put any money on that.
1: I'm looking at FanDuel just to continue. Uh, minus five, minus 450 for Carroll. Plus five hundred for Ellie Dela Cruz.
2: Still bad, but better.
1: Um we are DraftKings. Bet Kings, MGM doesn't really have the odds on here. And neither does points bet. So that's FanDuel and DraftKings.
2: Mm. So that's that's what they Yeah. Do, so No, that's all just that's hype. And that's people like people see prospects and they you know, put put some change on them like, oh, this is really fun. I want to be a part of it. Like, and that's cool. And then the books just because of the, the hype, they just drive down the the odds. And it's just that's crazy because, I mean, he has Corbin Carroll has a two 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 and a half month head start and a 15 homer head start or whatever, you know, like there's no way it, like it would have to take an injury or something. And so it's like, yeah, like nothing's ever guaranteed. Uh, he could get injured he could you know go cold down the stretch but i think at that if you're betting on an injury or something out of the blue like that i think i would rather put a couple bucks on like the the prices that are like plus five thousand or whatever because like that's just like you're you're risking less to get more and ellie still like ellie still has some holes like he's striking out i think less than what we expected I think he's at 28 percent right now um but he's like, he's hit the ball. He hasn't hit the ball hard consistently. Um, he's hit you know, a ton of ground balls, doesn't have a ton of fly balls or line drives like, um, and he's just, it's, I mean, he's making it work and he's beating out, he's turning doubles into triples and singles into doubles and like, uh, stealing a bunch of bases. Uh, but he's far from guaranteed. And I, I mean, I love watching him play and, um, it's so exciting and I want him to hit 400 the whole year and 50 homers. And that's awesome. But, um, it's a, it's a it's an uphill battle for sure um yeah
1: uh, um so now i'm just curious because now i want to look at ao rookie of the year uh it's so yeah. okay interesting who do you think so i'm looking i'm on vegasinsider.com i don't know if that i'm not a gambler so if that's not the most credible site i apologize <laughs> i used to i used to right. gamble a
2: ton in college <laughs>
1: uh, um but they have sports. they have lines for FanDuel, BetMGM, Caesar points, well not points back, uh and DraftKings. So yeah. FanDuel and DraftKings if we if we just take a look at those. Who do you think they got as far as uh top of the leaderboard for AL rookie of the year?
2: Um probably like team. Josh Young and Gunnar Henderson are up there. Um yep. I don't yep. think they like I'm missing one.
1: I mean you you, you nailed number uh, 1 is Josh Young. Who by the way Josh I, I yeah. did choose for AL rookie of the year. I'm just saying. Yeah, you I did. did I did do that. Uh you plus one seventy yeah. pretty much across the board for Josh yeah. Young. Uh Masataka. Mm. I'm just I'm so used to just saying his last name. Masataka, Yoshida. Yep. Um is plus two fifty okay. uh for FanDuel, plus two thirty five for DraftKings. And then Gunner comes in third, uh, plus five
2: hundred pretty much across
1: the board. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, interesting.
2: Interesting. Yeah, and see those those aren't horrible. I mean, you got a three a three horse race there, um, and it's Yoshida going to be like the batting average guy. You mm-hmm. know, I was going to say and like, how do, that, how do you think
1: that that race breaks down?
2: Um, I think I think young, it's real. I think it's really hard to bet against young right now. Um, Gunner had like a, a two week stretch where he was like on fire after being really really bad for mm-hmm. the first like two months um and since then i think he's cooled off a little bit um he's still yeah he still is overall it's 11 homers five steals uh 244 i i don't think like gunner has you know the the history of being the top prospect he has the kind of the hype and the expectations i, mean, so I, I don't josh think young? He'll, technically yeah so josh young? right but josh young is i think produced a, a lot more oh so i got you far. you're saying yeah. to try to beat out John. okay i'm following yes. Yeah, yeah 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 um And so, you know, Gunner's like the guy we expect. I think that's baked into the juice a little Mm -hmm. bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And the two-week stretch he had because his odds, like, uh, shot up or down or whatever. Got better or or worse, (laughs) depending (laughs) on how you look at it, I guess. Um, You know, during that stretch. And since then, it's kind of like he's playing, I guess, like pretty standard. Um, And so I I think that he has a lot to still kind of, like, overcome. I mean, he's solid on-base percentage. What's his OPS? Uh, Why is OPS not on... Like the the dashboard on Fangraphs. I feel like I could change that, though. Here gotta we go, 806. Got to
1: make your custom yeah. dashboard. Yeah,
2: I do. I do. Um, all right. So, yeah, he's, he's eight OPS of 806, 11 homers. And, G- and Young is also playing on that incredible offense. So, his mm-hmm. art runs on.
1: And, and that was, if, if, if you recall, if listeners yeah, recall. Yeah, you did say that. Uh-huh. That's what I was banking on is the county yeah. stats. I was like, the average probably won't be great. OVP will probably be okay, but not outstanding. But I okay, so
2: like, they're a lot more similar than I expected.
1: Yeah, but the counting stats, the homers, RBIs, yeah. the runs, and that's and whether we like it or not, most of the voters are going to be looking at the counting stats when it comes to stuff like this. And I was yeah. like young is going to win out because that offense is it was primed to do exactly what it's been doing. Uh, and he's the beneficiary. Now, again, Gunner in a pretty good offense himself. I think it's not as good as the Rangers overall from top to bottom. Right. One to nine. I don't think the Orioles stack up as well, but pretty good. Um, and I think what you said about Yoshida is right on the head. I think he's like batting, like he kind of is going to be like the batting title guy. I think that's kind of his career. Sort of like when we think about honors and awards is going to be like, Oh, Yoshida is like in the mix to win the batting title this year, maybe a silver slugger award, maybe. Um, but like, yeah, I don't think overall he he's going to put up like the overall sort of counting stats and all the different categories, things of that nature. Um, so okay, interesting little look at yeah. uh, rookie of the year as we yeah. get uh get closer to the I, halfway
2: point. I'll also say I was surprised that Josh Young's OPS is eight fourteen, and hmm. it's only like five one hundredths of a point above Gunner's. Is it uh, well, OBP? Gunner still has the crazy <laughs> walk rate? Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. So so Young's walk or Young's OBP is about twenty points lower than um then gunners even though young has a 273 average um and then young also has the 15 homers compared to gunners 11 and then um yeah 52 runs and 44 RBI so it's 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 like yeah, he plays on a better offense, has hit a few more homers, yep. his average looks better, yep. but the OPS is very similar, and the WRC plus is almost exact too. Uh, Young so is one twenty four, and Gunner is one twenty five. So so there's a chance. There's, there's depends like, on what voters are looking at. Honestly. It,
1: well, I'm just saying, like if again, if there if there's a cold streak, right? If yeah, Young hits a cold streak, and Gunner has like a hot two, like three weeks, maybe a month, if he just goes crazy in like July. Yeah.
2: I mean, look at what really? Bichette did last year in September. He turned around his entire season in yeah. like a month, yeah. you know. Yeah. We still, we're not even halfway there yet. You know, the I think this podcast will be published on Wednesday and then like four days after you were hearing this, it'll be like the official halfway point of the season yeah. for like games played. So, yeah.
1: Interesting. All right. With that, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Speaking of second halves, we're going to get into talking about some sec- second half prospects that we expect to get the call. Make an impact both for their real life teams and for your fantasy teams right after this.
0: Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, and we are back. Um, So the first name on this list is interesting. You know, typically when we, you know, we're listing out names, we come up with our different topics um Jake and I are pretty of like minds we, we look at a list like whoever starts the outline we look looking oh yeah okay like that good um every now and then we disagree and I think it makes for some good content this is one of the ones I saw Jake did the outline and I was like perfect because I'm out on Aranda and this is make perfect <laughs> content um I literally just dropped him in one of my dynasty leagues I had him and I was like right, why is he still on in my farm system get rid of this guy let me make space. Um So I'm glad that Jonathan Aranda is the first name that we have on this list. Uh, Infielder for Tampa Bay. Uh, His line right now is uh, 333, 454, 540, 10 homers, 45 RBI, 44 runs, 207 ISO. Really good numbers. Um, But, uh, well, I'm going to turn things over to you, Jake, to kind of continue making the case. You got some, some good notes here. And then I'm going to talk about uh, why I dropped him.
2: <laughs> Fair. Fair. Um, so funny thing is I, I took that stat line from Fangraphs. I think like it was either last night or the light night before last night. Not very long ago. He already has two more homers. Um, he's sitting at 12 now. But anyway, um, you know, I think he has been the guy in the Rays, you know, at Durham and AAA that has cemented himself as like the next guy up. Um, you know, and and the Rays have an incredibly deep major league roster. Um, you know, even the guys that we haven't expected, like they've had some guys like Luke Rayleigh, um, Taylor walls has kind of come back from last year, being mediocre at best. Um, so he's doing a lot better. Um, you know, even they're still running with Vidal Brujan on the roster, um, who's playing here and there about half the games. And, um, you know, they got their, you know, standard role players with Manny Margot and Harold Ramirez and. Uh, you know, and it's, they, they have, uh, one of, you know, it, one of the best offenses, but it hasn't been as good recently, uh, but still producing and there's, you're looking at the the roster and it's like, I don't see exactly like, there isn't someone who should lose their job. There isn't someone who should be demoted in favor of, you know, anyone at AAA really, it's just going to be like, you know, if there's an injury, if, if the team forces the issue, if they want it, if they do some sort of 40 man roster manipulation that they love to do, it's always over my head, what the Rays are doing. So who knows, but um, you know, it's, it, but there isn't like, sometimes you look at a roster, especially, um, for teams with a lot of prospects that are about to come up and it's like, oh yeah, like this is where they can play. This is like pretty easy. The Rays don't exactly have a, a spot, especially since they platoon so much. It's like one spot is taken up by like two and a half guys, you know? So it's not like someone can just come in and take that playing time. There's a whole bunch of, of things in, at stake there. Um, and so I think it's, it'll be like, you know, it'll be an injury or a trade or something that opens up a spot. Um, and yeah, with that being said, I think Aranda is the guy to come up. And I think, uh, myself and a lot of people assumed the end of the season that that position would be held by Curtis Mead or Kyle Manzardo. Um, but both of them have kind of had their own issues. Mead just had a injury. Um, I forgot, I think it was it a wrist injury. Um, yeah. And yeah, so he missed, he missed like, I think almost two months mm-hmm. and even before that, um, I don't know if it was a lingering thing, but he was—he wasn't hitting the ball as hard. Um, his results weren't as good as what we've seen. And now I think he's just making his way back. I think he just started a, a low minors rehab assignment um, the other day. And so, like he—even you know—he comes back. Even if he does start playing better, he still kind of will at least take a couple weeks to get into it. And he still—I don't think—can make up for what Aranda's done recently. And then Manzardo has been solid. Like he still has really good plate approach um solid power numbers it just like hasn't been falling the same for him i think um you know like he still barrels the ball really well he still hits the ball hard um uh, but the numbers aren't just like his uh like the wrc plus isn't as like gaudy as it was last year um trying to pull it up here real quick yeah like he's running a 105 in triple a now compared to 148 last year uh double and so, um, you know, so it's like those guys have kind of like cooled off in the hype. And then you have Aranda kind of coming forward and um, and kind of taking over that hype. Um, he has a as a 161 WRC plus in AAA in um, 271 plate appearances. And I think the thing that kind of sticks out to me is the walk rate, which is by far career high. Um, he had a good plate approach in AAA in 2022. Um, and now it's even better um he's walking 16.2 percent of the time compared to a 21.4 percent strikeout rate um and so i think that you know really helps his on base percentage um and makes him a little less like uh, like adds another facet to his game right because last year in the majors he walked 9.2 percent of the time uh struck out 26 i think the strikeout rate is still potentially an issue maybe it settles in at like 24 25 in the majors um, you know, but he's shown improved plate approach and his contact rate. I think his overall contact rate is just south of eighty percent. It's like seventy nine, mm-hmm. in AAA right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, so good contact, great uh, plate approach so far. Two twenty six ISO has twelve homers in a little less than half a season. Um, and so like it's you know he's I think his barrel rate last time I tracked was like around eight mm-hmm. percent, not crazy. But you're talking about someone who's like okay, like he makes consistent contact. hits the ball hard enough um his launch angle is just good enough to where he can get some barrels in there you know um and he can play multiple spots in the infield so it's like okay this is definitely a raised guy um and I think as soon as they need someone I think he'll be he'll be the guy and it'll just be kind of like playing time will be kind of hard to come by um but yeah as far as like the second half I could see him being the the guy that kind of takes the most, that takes the most advantage of it. Cause I don't know if there's anyone else that they will trust to give as much, like as far as in their minors, I I don't think there's anyone that um, they're going to like run out there and, and be as confident as him because he's, he's been in the majors already for a quick cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. He's he showed promise there last year. He didn't quite put it all together. Um, And then he went to AAA and he, he not only went to AAA did well, but he improved on his AAA numbers from last year. Um, and I think that's key. He didn't just go back there and kind of do the same thing. He improved the walk rate, improved the power numbers, overall production. Like it all is up from his stint at AAA last year. And so, um, you know, and he's still, he's not exactly old for the level. He's 25. Um, and so, so yeah, so if we're looking at, um, if we're looking at who can make an impact in the second half, I think he's a solid bet. Um, because the Rays will mix and match if they have any issues, if they have any injuries and he could play multiple spots. Um, and he's, he's shown improvement.
1: Yeah, I uh, I first and foremost, I, the numbers are the numbers, right? So I I can't really disagree with those. He's he's doing all the things that you just said he's doing, right? Um, and I think if I'm in a redraft league, he's actually somebody I I might value more, ironically, yeah. than in a dynasty league because he's the type of guy that I can see, uh, potentially giving you like that really good month month and a half that you just need like i need a flash like i need you know like somebody off the bench or somebody to just give my offense a jolt and just kind of help drive me up some some categories or you know help me win some matchups i think he could do that potentially uh in a redraft in a dynasty uh standpoint though uh still lacks positionality right so like yes he's he plays multiple positions but he doesn't necessarily play any of them particularly well um and like you said, there's some other guys. I mean, Manzalda is really first baseman only, but you have guys like me um, who can play second and first and Mead's kind of similar to Aranda; like, he can play second, not really great at it. He can play first. He's okay at it. Uh, so again, the, we know that that's kind of the good and the bad of the race system is they like having the positional flexibility. Um, but sometimes that leads to them kind of stacking multiple guys that have very similar profiles uh, over and over and over again. Um, Fair. I'm looking at a chart. Uh, we were talking about barrels in this contact rate, which is exactly what it is. And I'm looking at a chart that is, uh, the X axis is contact percentage. Y is barrels and where he stands. Hold on. Let me look again. Cause it's just some interesting names around where he is. Uh, And now this is because of it's pulling StackCast data, so this is really just I can even just get rid of the Florida State League right rookie ball guy. So it's really just looking at AAA. If I get rid of this, so interesting names around him. Tyler Nevin has uh, 8.6 percent barrel rate and 78.9 percent contact rate.
2: Very similar. Yeah.
1: Very similar. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio is there. So we like Mon- Mauricio, 8.3% barrel, 78.7% contact. So we like that. Uh Lewin Diaz, who is in Norfolk for Baltimore, uh 8.9%. It's like his third barrel. organization. You say what? It's,
2: it's like his third organization in the last like three months or something.
1: Yeah, well, he bounced from from Miami to Baltimore, then Baltimore let him go, then but they brought him back. And right. yeah, it okay, was a yeah. lot of it, it was it was a lot of lot of uh, entries on his transaction page, yep. <laughs> um. But eight point nine percent. He's he's as he does. He he was he's been raking in in Norfolk. Uh, 8.9 percent 8. barrel, seventy nine uh percent contact. Uh, and if I go up just a tick more, uh, Dominique Canzone nine percent barrel rate, eighty point six percent contact rate. Of course, we know triple A That's Reno. Um, for the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, AAA affiliate. Yeah. So it's a little bit more juiced in that environment. Yeah. But the reason why I'm stating these
2: names that... So uh, oh, Jack got, of all trades, master of none type of deal. That type of deal. Uh, I
1: got one more name for you. Jose Azacar for San Diego Padres. 8.8% barrel. 786 okay. Same thing. Uh, AAA, that's uh, PCL league. So that's a little bit juiced as well. But the point that I'm getting to is yeah, the, the profile that Aranda kind of gives is very much like it can be a quad a type of profile like a guy that just kills it in AAA, but yeah. something about the major league level over a stretch of time he just never pushes it to the next level and so for me from a dynasty standpoint i'd much rather take the chance and this is this is why i got rid of him on the team that i got rid of him on mm-hmm. if that makes any sense <laughs> um is right. because i was trying to free up space let me take a let me take a shot on somebody that has way more potential that has yeah. a way bigger upside. That might be a twenty-year-old in high A, or you know, a twenty-two-year-old that's in double A and doing well. Like, let me take a, a and that that player may never even be as good as Aranda is now as a baseball player, mm-hmm. floor-wise, but they have the potential upside to be right. way better at the major yeah, level because we definitely.
2: know a lot about Aranda. We we really know a Everything. decent amount about where he'll where he'll settle in. Exactly. Um, and so that's and even in, yeah, from a dynasty like right now he's ahead of Meade and Manzardo. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going to last until 2024. Mm-hmm. You know, like i think going into next year, he's still he's going to be he's like a bench utility bat for the Rays exactly. like probably long term exactly. uh, as I get better and younger cuz they have they also have for junior Caminero and, and, and other guys coming up. So, um and they're always going to be mixing and matching with the roster. Exactly. You know, he's, yeah. You know, so it's like dynasty. Yeah. I could definitely see Aranda being like, yeah, I don't want to, I can see the drop. I can see the lack of investment. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think. But yeah, but from a redraft,
1: that. absolutely. He's a name that I would be like, I'm waiting for him to come back because again, he could just, even if it's just like a week and a half span, even if it's just the injury, right. And again, I'm not, not wish injury, but like Yanni Diaz goes down or something, you know, something like that. And they can just plug him in. Boom. He's got some pop. He, he, yep. had, he has good plate skills, right? He's going to make some good contact. Uh, he has good launch angle. Like he's not hitting just a bunch of ground balls. Like he gets good lift. Cool. He could give me a 10 day span or 10 game span. I should say where he gives me, you know, a 300 plus average three, you know, 350 or above OBP in that span. If you're in an OBP league, You know, two to three, two to four home runs, even if he really runs into a few get you You know, he can kind of fill a few different categories for you in a tight window. And that in redraft, especially when you start talking about in the second half of the year, right? You're it's a condensed timeline. Those are the type of guys that you you want. And especially if, you know, depending on how your league is set up, where you can promote a guy or you're looking for a cheap ad, easy ad. You're trying to save fab dollars for making a splash year move somewhere else. So you don't want to spend a whole lot is a perfect profile for that. But Dynasty, if I'm in a shallow league, I can definitely find better players. If I'm in a deep league, and the league that I dropped in is a bit deeper. Right. Um, but again, I looking through the the guys I already had rostered and this, the other reason, and I should give full context, the other reason is this is one of the orphan teams that I adopted. Uh, and so yeah. I'm trying to kind of make it in my own image as well. So there's that some of that sense. bias as well. For so sure. I'm looking through who I'm already rostering. I'm like, well... Okay, I wanna keep some of these guys. There's value. And some of these guys, not necessarily as value, but I don't wanna purge the whole system yet. Like, I can wait till the offseason. So, I wanna kinda dink and dunk some of the drops that I have, like, sporadically throughout the season to make room for, you know, hopefully higher impact. Now, again, there is an argument to be made that I could have just tried to swing a trade. Um, There's not a whole lot of trading going on in this league that I've seen, but maybe that's, you know, missed opportunity on my end. I could have just tried to swing a trade instead of just straight dropping them. But that's my sort of argument against is redraft. I actually value way higher than I do in Dynasty just because of that player profile and those names that I was just naming. I see Jake Lamb is showing up here as well. It's like, you know, (laughs) it's like we've seen this and we know how it plays out. Jake Lamb can get high for you. He's done it before. But like, are we banking on Jake Lamb in the long term? No, we know enough to know not to. So that's me, Jonathan Rando. He'll have, uh, yep. uh, he'll get
2: called up like two days from now and or, like a grand slam and make me look bad. Yeah, he's a good role player, you know, good kind of guy that's not too flashy that you can, you can use and die, especially if you're competing in Dynasty this year. Um, but yeah, investing in him long term, probably not.
1: Yeah. Um. So moving on, uh, and I promise I did not put these names on the list. I promise you, Jake did not outline this, this yeah. time. So this Jake is me. responsible. Um, but they are two Orioles uh, prospects. Colton Cowser. Jordan Westberg. We've been hearing Jordan Westberg's name all season long. When is Westberg going to come up? Cowser's definitely put himself on that list. He did have an injury. He was out for some time. He's back healthy now. I was telling uh, Jake Off Mike probably could have put uh, Heston Kerstad on this list as well uh, because what Kerstad has done in the last season and a half or so, um, obviously with his health uh, issues that he had uh, myocarditis and, and uh, he also had a, another uh, sort of just I don't want to downplay it, but kind of more traditional, if you will, more standard baseball injury outside of a more severe, like life health issue with the um, heart condition. But what he's done in the last year and a half or so is quite impressive as well. So you could probably put him on the list as somebody that um, we're waiting to see what the next move is going to be with Kurstad. but we're focusing on Couser and Westberg just to give you the lines. Colton Couser right now, 328, 459, 539 is a triple slash. Nine homers, thirty-six RBI, uh, forty-seven runs scored, six stolen bases. So he's splashing a little bit of everything. Obviously, the home runs um, down. Like I said, he did miss a significant amount of time uh, with his. I wouldn't say he had a wrist injury as well. Um, I could, uh, I could be making that up. I have. Uh, I don't I know that one off the top of my head. Um, but uh, so the home run no numbers and the counting stats a little bit uh, further down than what you may expect, but that uh, seems to correlate. With the injury, uh, Westberg, his line, 289, 368, 567, 18 home runs, 53 RBI, 57 runs, uh, scored five stolen bases. So robust production here in Norfolk, uh, A affiliate for the Orioles. And so we kind of know what, at least you should know, both from a redraft and a, definitely from a dynasty standpoint, kind of who these guys are, where they stand. The question that uh, I thought was really good, the kind of two part question that, that Jake put here is where do they f- how do they fit into the ores? Like what has to happen um, to, to make space for them to get promoted? Uh, who has to lose playing time is kind of the other part of that uh, question. So what I did was I took a look, jumped on the roster resource. Taking a look at what the ors are running out as it stands right now. Now we know that uh Cedric Mullins is just returning from his injury. Um, and we know that Ryan Mountcastle still out uh, on
2: the 10 day. Yes, yeah. on the 10 day. He's on his rehab. uh, I think he just started his um rehab assignment, so he's on Norfolk right now. Gotcha. And it is, looks like it's
1: retroactive to the 10th of June as well. So you know, it's coming so up on, yeah, yeah. So we know that there's there's some injury they they got some pieces that they've got filled in quite nicely uh the the resurrection of Aaron Hicks uh the resurrection of uh Ryan O'Hearn as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which nobody saw coming either one of those so perfect finds for the Orioles at just the right time but generally speaking this is the the lineup that they have running out we got Mullins in center uh Rushman at uh catcher they have Santander there you know, DH right field, he obviously kind of goes back and forth. Um, O'Hearn's filling in right now for first base, but again, that's really Mountcastle's job. Um, Hayes and left Gunner, shortstop. Uh, we know he, you know, he's done third base as well. Hicks and right currently, again, that's a fill in job. Ramon Uris at third base, we know he can play pretty much anything but first base as far as infield positions. Um, and Adam Frazier. Still at second base. I'll talk about Frazier in a second. I have thoughts. (laughs) Um, And then we got uh, uh, outside of the the second catcher uh, situation. We have a bench of Joey Ortiz, Jorge Mateo, Ryan McKenna. Big home run from McKenna yesterday. uh, Walk off two run shots. So shout out to him. Um, So, yeah, where how can they make space? And And I've been seeing permeations of this question for like the last week and change. Here's my thought as an Orioles fan, but also from like a fantasy standpoint. The Orioles definitely need starting pitching. This is a known thing. Their starters right now, Kyle Gibson, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, Cole Irving, Tyler Wells. Not terrible. Not good enough. That's right where they live. Not awful, but not good enough. And it's, again, my bias is showing but i think one good trade frees up some spots and also allows them to pursue a a good pitcher from a team that needs an infusion of talent and when i look at the other thing that i did was look at essentially the playoff pitcher in the uh, american league looking at the other sort of big three rotations of the other contenders out there there's not a whole lot that really scares you if you're the Orioles, right? Minnesota Twins right now are leading the AL Central. Obviously, subject change because Central is terrible. Um, so Cleveland could definitely take that spot. But right now, Minnesota, you have Joe Ryan. Okay. Sonny Gray. And then you're thinking about some mixture of like Maeda and Pablo Lopez. Oh, okay. Right. Um, Ryan has looked really good. Sonny Gray is... I I think some people are expecting some regression especially with this ERA being so low but the numbers are the numbers so far the Minnesota Twins as a whole again El Central is terrible they're one of the not so good teams that offense doesn't really impress me a whole lot especially against Orioles Yankees obviously you got Garrett Cole at the top of the list but afterwards I don't really know because half of their rotation or half of what they expect, they're all injured or some form of coming off injury. Cortez is injured. Rodon still has not actually started for the Yankees. By the way, I chose Rodon. Uh, I haven't talked about Immaculate Grid at all. I've been meaning to ask you, Jake, if you're, you know, how, how is your Immaculate Grid going? Um, I chose Rodon for Immaculate Grid answer for White Sox-Yankees, and it was wrong. And I was very upset. Oh, yeah. I realized because he has yet to actually be in New York Yankees yeah yeah so yeah. you have rodon has yet to uh make his start cortez is injured maybe you go with severino maybe clark schmidt makes an appearance johnny uh
2: burrito is that, like for some reason clark clark schmidt screams six innings of one run baseball in a random in a playoff random game. playoff game right just yeah.
1: a random game where he yep. just like lights out yeah it does but do you want to bank on it? so my yeah. point is you look at that and you say okay outside of gary cole we don't know really what the Yankees are going to be doing from a from a pitching standpoint. Obviously, we know what the offense can do, but hearing, you know, what's going on with Aaron Judge, all of a sudden, Yankees offense doesn't look as, uh you know, formidable as, you know, it does with a healthy Aaron Judge in the middle. Um, yeah, Toronto. Absolutely. Now, the Toronto rotation and what they've been doing recently, pretty legit. Kevin Gosman, former more obviously. Chris Bassett. Jose Barris has definitely stepped it up. So that's that's pretty legit. We know Toronto kind of has some other question marks, but from a pitching standpoint, that looks really good as far as a big three. Tampa Bay, McClanahan, Eflin, and you got some combination of Glassnow, Bradley, Shernos, we know they'll probably throw a bullpen game out there just because they can and they're weird like that. Okay, that's pretty legit. Um, and then Texas, you have Eovaldi, uh, Andrew Heaney, um, John Gray, slash Martín Pérez, okay, but we know Texas offense is pretty dynamic, right? Yeah, I say all that to say, that was a whole lot of me talking, just to get back to the standpoint of, can you package a Colton Causer, Anthony Santander, and I don't know, somebody in... Somebody in low A, Joey Ortiz. Oh no, even lower. Okay, yeah. I'm thinking just just to give like the you and package something like that and send that to Cleveland for Shane Bieber. Can you package? Can you get really aggressive? Because I think out out of those two, Kowser and Westberg, I think there's an anticipation for Westberg a little bit more than Kowser. Because I think the thought there's a thought process of Westberg at second. Um, putting Henderson either at short or third, and then kind of filling in whatever the the other non-Henderson position is, right? But do you get really bold and really aggressive and say we're going to ship out Jordan Westberg before he even makes a start for the Orioles, and go get somebody like a Corbin Burns, right? Do you package like Westberg, and I don't know. Let's take a let's take a look again at that roster. Westberg and. I mean, don't really want to. That's not really where you would send Adam Frazier, I don't think, to Milwaukee. I don't think that they would be super interested in him. Mm, I would have to think on who else you would have to send with Westberg to make that happen. Maybe give somebody up out of the bullpen, right? But you know, prospect maybe Kobe Yeah. Yeah. Right, which I know Orioles fans would probably be heard about that, but like to go after somebody like Corbin Burns, and then you're talking about having Burns at the top of your rotation going into the playoffs. Now, Bieber and Burns both have had very down years, but again, Kami Yards is playing much differently than it has in the past, obviously, for righties uh, from from power standpoint, uh, shortened season. So you're talking about, you know, you're not talking about a full season of what they are, are doing. Bieber, you, you would get more team control uh burns obviously we know he seems like he just wants out of milwaukee after the whole arbitration thing Mm. you got to kind of deal with are you cool with sending that out uh, a package of your future to kind of perhaps just rent him because you may not re-sign him right that's his own sort of financial standpoint but you know those are ways that it frees up space all of a sudden because you don't have all these prospects and isn't that kind of the point isn't that kind of the point of the whole rebuilding and drafting well and developing guys is so you can look and say we have a slew of these players some similar player types we have kind of a log jam in a good way we got one of those good problems as they would say on the wire um but we have a need somewhere else and so we can deal from a place of um what we have right a place of value to try to fill in for that need i think the Orioles are right at that time it's just a matter of does the front office see that way and are they willing to pull the trigger and again you know it's it's easy for us to speculate it's not like you know it's not like fantasy where you can just send out an offer and the other team goes yeah you know i'll take it and it's done right there's a financial standpoint um and there's you know other teams that have to think about uh where those other players fit in but when i think about when i think about westberg and I, i talked about adam frazier specifically to me you bring in Adam Frazier, he's been doing this for the last, what, four season. He's like net neutral. He can play second. He can play left. He's a left-handed bat. He's always going to get dealt. And he's always going to be interested to some other team because he's not terrible, even though he's not super additive, (laughs) but he can play you two, two different positions. He's a left-handed bat. Uh, he's got a little bit of speed. Uh, he makes decent enough contact, not great, but he makes decent enough contact that you know you can put him at the bottom of your lineup and it's not be a complete zero. Right.
2: And it, it sounds cool. like the White Sox second base solution. Yeah, uh, which would exactly be the dumb thing that, uh, <laughs> that they would do. That they would do. Yeah. But I mean, like, oh yeah, you guys, at. you like, wanted a second baseman. Here we go.
1: Yeah. I mean, but but in all honesty, like that's to me why you would bring. A guy like Fraser in, and not just give the job yeah. to Westberg. And now that Westberg seems ready, it's the perfect time to me to be like, "Cool, let's send Fraser on the ice flow out, just like you know he's done with all the other teams, Seattle and San Diego, and all <laughs> Pittsburgh and all the other teams that he played for. Send them out. Boom, um you have a spot for Westberg. And I think with Kouser, uh, I'm interested in, uh, in Colton Cowser. I'm interested to see him as a major league player. But honestly, I just don't know that the outfield that their spots. Like to me, that's the guy to get moved. If if we're talking about trading, I think Westberg is gets you more because I think that's more of a headliner and a package. But I think Kowser is the guy where it's just like I don't see where he fits, right? You talked about Kobe Mayo and they've been playing Kobe Mayo and and right. He obviously came up as a third baseman. I think he's gotten some time at first. It's like that's a bat that in another year and a half is going to be knocking on the door. Um judd fabian has looked really good all of a sudden um going for sure yeah so like he's a guy and that's the thing like do you trade a fabian or do you say oh well we got fabian for super cheap knowing that he was uh, a higher pedigree but obviously he had that disaster season with florida he goes back to school tries to improve his his draft stock kind of does but not incredibly so so it's like oh we kind of stumbled upon him do we flip that or do we you know bank that is like found money and we can deal with somebody else so the outfield situation i think is where if the Orioles are going to make a trade that's where it comes from i think then if you have colton Cowser um on your dynasty team or even from a redraft standpoint if you're kind of circling names to keep an eye on to make the impact you definitely keep an eye on what do the Orioles do as we get closer to the trade deadline because i think the Cowsers, the Kerstags, the Westbergs. If we go deeper, the Kobe Mayos, um, the Jeff Fabians, like those are the guys that can potentially be on the move going to another system. And I think to 25 of the other teams in the, in major leagues, they're going to land quite high in their in like the org rankings, if they do get moved to another team. Um, mm-hmm. So that's. that sucks that you're competing with the the Dodgers though, who has also said that they're looking for pitching. Yeah but I mean this is the position that you want to be in If you are right If you're in an arms race In general right obviously they're playing two yeah. different leagues But you're just generally looking for arms which of course Everybody is and the Dodgers makes that statement You want to be the auras where you say Ah this time this year We actually have uh, We can go to the bank we can go to Norfolk mm-hmm. we can go to Bowie We actually got some guys that are Maybe not Exactly as compelling as the Where the Dodgers are going to pull from but at least it, it's better than nothing. Like we can be the second in, in second position there. Uh, yeah. You know, if the Dodgers go after Burns, we're
2: okay. We're going after Shane Bieber, right? Like that's yeah. a good position to be. Or in. Hey, Lucas Giolito, Lucas Giolito. I love, I, I love Lucas Giolito as a Wisex Sox fan. I don't want to see him go, but um, I mean, I any, want to, him to me
1: as, as an Orioles fan, any of those three names, I feel more comfortable going into a playoff series and a potentially yeah. multiple playoff series Then, mm-hmm. what, like if you can, if you can bump Dean Kramer down to being like, maybe he starts a game four, five instead of a game three. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel way yeah. more comfortable. Now, mind you, yeah. he's done well. He, he had a decent start yesterday. Right. But the home run ball still plagues him. Um, as far as Dean Kramer is concerned, home run, he still gives up a, a hefty number of home runs. um, And it's still very much like pitching from behind. Like the game started and it was like he got two batters in. And it was like home run. All right. Already the lead is up. And in the playoffs, that's that often spells death for a team. If you can't make it into third, fourth, fifth and give your offense a chance to get runs on the board and build a lead. If you're just giving up the lead from the outset, that's rough to make a playoff run when you're always playing from behind. And Dean Creamer, uh, especially a lot of his starts tend to be playing from behind or we got a lead and he gave it right back up. Yeah. Which also happened yesterday. They got him a three, two
2: lead. He gave up a home run to Julio Rodriguez. I don't think, I don't think he would really need to run him out. um, If you, if you get another starter, I I think he's maybe the long relief option.
1: And and that's what I mean. Like if you get into like a game four, game five scenario in
2: the, in the second
1: round, right in the divisional series, um, you know, maybe you want to rest the guy, try to, you're, you're trying to win this, win the game, uh, to win the series, but also you have to kind of reposition, uh, your, your rotation for the potentially next series. Sometimes, you know, a lot of times teams get into, into that mode, right. Where they're like, they're up, uh, you know, if it's in a, what's a seven game series, they might be up three games to two, Right, they're going into a game six, so they're looking to clinch. But then they're also like, okay, I got a plan for game seven if we don't, and then if we do clinch, I also got a plan for like what our rotation looks like in the next series. And like those, and it's nice to have a guy where it's like we can, not sacrifice him, but like we can put him out there now. We don't need him for the next series. And we don't necessarily need him for a, a game seven like half that you know uh, uh, when, when a go home scenario. And I think you're right. I think like both Bradish and Creamer are both and Wells. Like I think all three of those guys, I, I, you you can't have Cole Irvin on your playoff yeah. rotation. Like you can't.
2: You just can't. If you had uh, like if you had a Bieber, yeah, Bieber, Bieber, Wells, Bradish, Gibson, that's solid, especially with the bullpen. With you know Bautista Cano Baker, yeah, um yeah, like I think I, I think it looks it looks a lot better than you know overall, yeah, um going into it, so
1: yeah. all right, that yeah. was a whole lot to talk about the the or about <laughs> uh potential things that could never happen, but um Westberg, Kauser uh if you're in a redraft they definitely have to be top of your list as far as guys that you're waiting to jump on if you haven't already picked them up for like an na spot or something to hold yeah um, westberg's probably first yeah, though like yeah better West, westberg i would either. say is one I, yeah. I think you can easily say westberg is one couser is two it's not even like a one and one be like westberg is definitely top of the charts especially with what he's been doing um and then from a dynasty standpoint you're you have to i mean you're kind of like in a real life situation you have to give a lot if you're trading for either one of these guys at this point um and if you have them that's in my opinion the only way that you should be dealing them out is if you have like a clear need and you're going for whatever that need is you're going for the top of that class if you need Mm -hmm. a bat you're going for one of the like you're going for a top 75 type bat you're leading with giving up jordan westberg um, yeah need i just
2: traded for cowser actually
1: oh look at you we're, we're I'm trying we're
2: to remember i'm um, pulling it up right now um, but
1: yeah with with pitching same thing like if you're you're giving up westberg i want a, a, a top flight pitcher to come back
2: yeah absolutely um okay oh yeah no yeah uh <laughs> there it is no it's not no right <laughs> um It's exactly what i oh I traded uh Jack Suwinski for Colton Kauser and JP France
1: you traded Jack Suwinski for Colton Kauser and JP France when
2: was this trade done mm-hmm. uh June 16th about a week ago a little more than a week ago okay okay interesting yeah I didn't really lo- I don't love JP France but that was the like he's just sent me that offer out of the yeah. blue and I was like I don't even want to counter because like yeah. I want Kowser. yeah, <laughs> um, and I was like, and I'll take a pitcher, You'll like take a pitcher. I, you know, um, yeah.
1: France is kind of like a, a, a Kramer that you know. He'll give you five to six innings, right?
2: And it's a fifteen-team league, so I'm like, I could use the innings, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and I was yeah. like, yeah, found money on Suwinski yeah, sure, absolutely. That's strange. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's yeah. strange. Okay,
1: or you could be Jake, and you could make that trade. <laughs> 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 so apparently okay well with that being said let's take a break because we're running a bit long let's take a break we're coming back talking about pitchers uh to make an impact in the second half right after this all right and we are back um I' was using the wrong mouse here there we go all right we're gonna run through this because again we are running a bit long um shocker this
2: one should be easier I write these articles every week I could blow through them pretty quick so all
1: right let's do it uh first name we both like a lot Ben Brown from the Cubs yep uh talk to talk to us about ben brown
2: yeah uh we talked about ben brown a little bit before he was one of your guys uh earlier in the season and he's kind of had a bit of an up and down he but obviously dominated double a came up triple a started pretty well and then kind of like the wheels fell off in, in early june and he walked 11 batters in two starts in 8.1 innings mm-hmm. um and so that kind of like set him back a little bit um and then, you know, in his last two starts, he's really, really rebounded and has only walked two in his last 10.2 innings. Um, and so I think that um, overall the the walk rate is probably a little higher than his true talent and sitting at 13% right now. Um, I think he's been much better. So looking at like his um, his pitch maps, you know, his pitch locations, uh, he's I think he's best when he goes, you know, fastballs high and arm side and then sliders like. Buried, you know. Um, I think he runs into some issues when he starts kind of like molding them together in an ugly mess in the Mm -hmm. middle of the zone, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm just going to throw him over the plate and like he gets hit. Um, and then batters also just like won't chase because, you know, he's leaving some, some pitches over the middle, you know. So, um, but he's been better recently at kind of like, uh, controlling each of the pitches. His last two starts have been good. Um, his start before the last one, um, so I guess by the time this is recording, it's like three starts ago, but he was fantastic. He mm-hmm. threw, um, I think it was like 10 or 11 strikeouts and like six innings, no walks. Um, and that I think kind of like really was a nice reset for him. And, um, he's already on the 40 man roster. He's been on the 40 man roster for probably about a month yeah. now. Um, and I think looking at their, um, their options, their depth and the rotation, I think if someone gets injured or, you know, some, a spot opens up, they need a sixth guy. I think it's either him or Wes Neske. And I think Wes Nesky has like had the opportunities. Um, he's he kind he obviously started horribly. I cried about it on the podcast. <laughs> uh, and then he's kind of been like he's been all right since then. You know, here and there he has been solid. But I think that they are just about ready to give Ben Brown the opportunity, yeah. um, probably coming out of the all star break if they need something. Um, I think they'll rather I think see what he has at this point, maybe then run back to Wes Nesky again. again, um, you know, who's currently in the long relief option in the bullpen. And so I think that Brown if, and so a lot like talking a lot about pretty much each of these pitchers, there isn't exactly a spot open right now that they can go up and take. I think a lot of it is contingent on like on injuries on the schedule. If they need a six guy, if they, you know, if something comes up, it's, it's something that you can't really predict, you know, because early in the season, you could kind of see how things will shake out. There's still some spots up for grabs. Now we're kind of solidified in the rosters and where it's just, it's trades that are going to happen or, you know, injuries that open up spots. Right. And so, um i so yeah looking at ben brown it's like i can't it's like oh i, I can't see that he's going to get um promoted like next week or the next week after that just because he's been so good you probably have to take something else because they have a good amount of guys already um but yeah i think his his good swing and miss stuff decent velocity about the same velocity maybe a little higher than gavin williams mm. has shown um and so um so yeah, no, I I like Brown, and I think that he's kind of like. Hopefully, he could continue this little mini trend that he has started, and um, and keep the walks down a little bit and his it, he's been getting a ton of swings and misses too even when he was walking a bunch he was still decent with the with whiff rate and now it's even better so um so yeah i could see him definitely kind of hitting a little stretch down the down the road a little bit maybe august september where he gets three four starts in a row redraft he's going to be a great streamer i think mm-hmm. and then you know dynasty i think you can get a little bonus out of him um if you have them
1: yeah uh just to add my two cents uh, looking at roster resource for the cubs uh, like i said the the rotation is kind of cemented you got stroman steel uh tie smiley Hendricks. i mean even if you don't like the results that some of those guys are giving you um you're, you're not you know just from money standpoint you're not pushing um right. on or or, or out permanently um so yeah and they, they got the nice righty lefty righty sort of breakdown as well um bullpen wise I know we we just got reports that both Brandon Hughes and I believe it was Cody I can't is it Hoyer I don't actually know how to say uh,
2: it. yeah Hewer, Hewer Hoyer one of the um, two yeah but I believe
1: reports were saying that both of them are going to definitely Brandon Hughes um are having season-ending surgery mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. uh the bullpen obviously has been kind of reconfigured you talked about um was Nesky already in the long relief role that could be a, a spot that they put Brown in to kind of start, just kind of ease him in maybe um, and kind of play mix and match with Wesneski and him doing a spot start here, long relief there. I could see that being a possibility. Um, you know, as far as other people they have given chances to uh, Caleb Killian, who I'm sorry, Caleb Killian, excuse me, who I was a big fan of uh, Well, he was in the giant system that has not worked out. Um, every, every cup of coffee he's had at the major league level has been really disastrous as far as starts. Keegan Thompson, um, who's really more of a reliever. uh, Estrada, obviously, reliever. And Ryan Jensen, just looking at other pitchers on the 40-man, I think Ryan Jensen is really more of a reliever at this point as well. So, yeah, I mean, even though there's not a solid spot for him uh, in the rotation, I think it is Brown is the the next move as far as Cubs prospects, uh, especially from the pitching standpoint. Um, I like him. I think you talked about the swing and miss stuff uh definitely agree that that to me was a uh silver lining while he was having those rough starts was the strikeouts were still there it wasn't like he was just walking people and the strikeouts just completely disappeared the swing and miss um and whiffs just completely disappeared they were still present so it seemed to me more of a, a you know command control sequencing like you talked about like how to actually generate um Uh, the sequences that are going to be beneficial for you as a pitcher, you can get guys to chase. Occasionally you have enough stuff that guys can swing through it, but how do you set them up similar to what you were doing at the double A level? So that you don't, you can be a little bit more efficient. uh, Don't have to waste as many pitches as well. Uh, and, And it seems like maybe he has rectified that with his, with his recent start. So we'll continue to monitor, but like Ben Brown moving on, Uh, next picture that we have is Robert Gasser, seeing more and more about Gasser. He, um, is on Milwaukee now, uh, came to them from San Diego where he was first kind of jumping on radars, uh, while he was in the Padres, um, farm system. So, um, with Gasser, he, I think might be out of the names that we have, the three names that we have, the one that's
2: most ready to get the
1: call. Um, Yep. So talk to us about Robert Gasser.
2: Yeah. So I think, so looking at the, um, I, I mean, the more I watch Gasser, the more I kind of look into him, the more I, I love him for the second half. Um, and you know, the one thing is that the the rotations, there's a lot of moving parts right now. Um, it is an older rotation, especially now that they have like Tehran and Colin Ray uh, filling in, but they do have um, uh, Eric Lauer, who's currently in AAA, um, finishing off a rehab assignment. And then, Woodruff I think is coming back in late July is currently the plan but like there's nothing super set in stone he hasn't started a rehab assignment he's you know still kind of working through some stuff and so you don't really know what's going to happen there um but so yeah so once Lauer and Woodruff are back then they have a pretty solid five you know it's Burns Woodruff Miley Lauer Peralta that's full Burns Woodruff Miley. yeah that's five um and so, and then you're looking at that, and you're like, ah, I don't really know where Gasser can kind of make a make his way in there. But you know, people still, like, you know, continue to get injured, and it's I'm sure there's going to be a spot at some point, and we don't know how Woodruff's going to going to be coming back. So, um, all that's to say is that like there's kind of been opportunities, and he hasn't taken it yet. But I think that it's happening very soon. Um, because I mean, you're looking at his, um, game logs and it's a tale of two halves of the first half for Robert Gasser. Um, because the thing we talked, I of I talked about about him on this podcast a little bit at the kind of beginning of the year. And it was like, well, he has a lot of pitches and he doesn't have a really high velocity, but he still gets decent swings and misses. And the only issue, the biggest issue is his command. He's had really bad walk rates. And for the first half of his starts this year, the first eight starts, it was indeed really bad walk rates. I could go through here. Um, I'll I'll go through the number of walks that he's had in each of his first eight starts. Four, three, three, one, three, three, four, four. Really bad. Um, And then in his following six starts, including one last night, Norfolk in high school. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It the last uh, last six starts, it's one, zero, two, one, one, zero. I mean, it's like a complete flip of the switch um at that what was that? It was May twenty fifth was his first start uh with that one walk, and then it's been fantastic since. And and last night he he pitched six point one innings of one run ball with nine strikeouts against a very, very good Norfolk team yeah. we've been talking about. Lewandia. Um what was that? I
1: said Lewin Diaz.
2: Yeah, Lewin-Diers. right. <laughs> <Lewin-Diers>. <laughs> oh man um and so he's he's looked a, a lot better and um looking at his pitch mix that he used last night he is his so stackast has him as six pitches throwing out each of them at least 10 percent of the time which is in, insane hmm. um it's probably not worth it to continue doing that probably should just pick his best four or five um he's not you darvish um but it's still he's commanding each one of them um looking at the um like kind of like the the spray chart i need to figure out what i'm calling this thing the illustrator on savant with all the pitch locations um you know like he's his curveball is pretty consistently down his slot weird that his slider is actually up in the zone mm. a bit more often but his uh you know cutter sinker good locations like uh in the zone a decent amount getting soft contact getting swings and misses um he had a ton of swings and misses last night um let me go back to that uh, 14 swings and misses in 90 pitches mm. Um, which is a swing strike, probably like what, just over 15%. Um, so it's working and it's been a lot better recently. Um, CSW is good. It's been over 30% consistently in these starts, um, not allowing a ton of zone contact, a decent amount of chase. And so, you know, poster child of like, you don't have to have velocity and like huge stuff to, you know, get swings and misses. I think he's more of like a crafty, like, um, keep cows off balance because like you're looking I'm looking at his his three most thrown pitches are the curve cutter and slider this is from last night and total he threw them 67% of the time none of those pitches average more than 88 miles an hour hmm. and so 67% of the time you're seeing either high 80s or low 80s like 80 or 88 Then at that point, 25% of the time, you're either seeing a sinker or a 23% of the time, you're either seeing a sinker or a four seamer, which is about 20, which is about 93 miles an hour. So if 67% of the time you're seeing either 80 or 88, I think that that other, you know, 20% of the time where you all of a sudden see 93, I think it plays up a little bit more than, um, does if he just threw those two pitches most of the time you know you could gear up for 93 really easy but if you're sitting if you have to sit on the curveball which he threw 29 percent of the time last night as his most thrown pitch you also kind of have to um have that fastball in the back of your mind and it's easier to catch up to but you don't see it as often so i think that's kind of like how his recipe for success has kind of worked out is keep pitch keep hitters off balance mix pitches really well throw a bunch of pitches pretty much equal um amount of time. So it's kind of hard to guess. And, um, and now he has the locations to go with it. He has, he's not walking as many. And so that's kind of what's take, allowed him to take another step forward. Um, So, yeah, I I think that the Brewers can give him a shot next week and he would be ready to go. He also faces a a ton of hitters. He goes deep into games, which is rare for minor league pitchers. Um, You know, in those five starts, he's seven innings, seven innings, six, six and 6.1. Uh, facing north of 25 batters a game. When I'm doing these write-ups um, every weekend, talk, going through box scores, minor league pitchers usually face between 15 and maybe 20 hitters. Like on a good night, they'll face up to 22, 23. But it's very rare that you'll see someone face more than 25 or above like consistently. And so he has the major league like workload, um, I think, already, and he could step into the rotation at any time. Um, and I think that they could use him.
1: So the only uh, sort of question mark that I had, I was looking up his stats and I thought maybe he would have a much higher ground ball percentage just because of, uh, like you were saying with his pitch mix and and some of his location stuff, only 33% ground ball rate, line drive rate, um, and fly ball rate are equal at 28. So um, a little bit higher than what I thought, but he doesn't give up a ton of home runs, right? only he's given up five by these numbers. Uh, I think, yeah, I think, you know, we talked about Ben Brown being a great streamer from a redraft standpoint. I think Gasser is right in the same mix potentially, right. Is, um, he looks like he shouldn't give up a ton of hard contact. Um, definitely not a lot of fly balls and he might be able to get you a, a decent amount of swings and misses. I think the only thing where he might, he might hurt you is, you know, the, the ratio around whip, Um, could be a bit high, and that's kind of always the case with rookie pitchers anyway, so you kind of have to put that into the profile. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I could see, especially depending on the matchup, I could see if he gets uh, another NL Central opponent that's not the Reds, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. so that would be really nice. Uh, A couple of, um, you know, NL West, if he gets the Rockies at home instead of in Colorado, there's a few different uh, matchups that I think would be really nice to run him out on. And then from a dynasty standpoint, I think he's one of those guys where if you have him, I don't think you need to go out and trade for him. But I think if you have him or if you have a spot and you want to pick him up, um, you're just happy. You're He's gotten you've gotten him to the finish line of being a major league pitcher. And that in itself is kind of the win. Um, is, He's not a guy that you put a star by his name like this is, a, you know, this is going to be a superstar pitcher. Or he's going to do so much. I think it's just like if his ceiling is sp4 type uh maybe if that doesn't work out and i mean it's milwaukee so maybe they put him in the pen and like he's a relief ace but i think that's still like value to be had there just from like you said his pitching profile that pitch mix uh, alone and how he locates it i think is going to keep him around so you know uh yeah robert gasser definitely keep an eye out i think he's the next out like i said out of these three i think he's the next to come up uh we'll finish up real quickly Gordon Griseffo I was talking off mic to to Jake and I had to stop myself cuz I was like I'm I'm giving all my good uh, <laughs> opinions away without it being uh, recorded I was a huge fan on Griseffo uh this is a picture for St. Louis um he, him at high a last season right or maybe that was 2021 but him and Michael McGreevy was the other one they were lighting things up um that's the uh What's their team? The Colonels, right? Cedar Rapids? Oh no, that's Minnesota. I'm getting them confused. Uh Springfield, I think, is uh Springfield Cardinals. Is okay. Team. Um, but they were lighting things up. And I was like, this guy, he just looked so in control, had great command, like every pitch was going exactly where he wanted it to go. Nothing as far as um outrageous stuff. It wasn't anything uh super explosive, but it was just so precise. And I was trying to trade for him, trying to trade for him. Manager in my league wasn't letting him go. I'm like, man, I missed out, missed my opportunity. He gets promoted. And literally every step of the way, double A, now he's in triple A. It's taken a step back. Um, numbers are not looking anywhere as good as they were at high A for Grassefo. Um, you had a note here, which I did not know about because I, I kind of stopped paying attention, I'll be honest. Um, but he had uh, about with shoulder inflammation um a few weeks ago and he's made a couple of appearances in this past week since he's returned. Uh we're assuming that there might be an innings cap because of the injury potentially. I see in your notes here. Um just so you guys know he's gotten 27 innings pitched, 467 ERA, 137 whip, uh 21% is the K rate, 8.4% is the walk rate. Um yeah. How do we feel it? Like, what are we doing with, with Graceffo here? Um, because I think you, you have a note about the car still needing pitching, but obviously these numbers aren't really wowing and he's coming off injury as Well, so what are we thinking?
2: Right. Yeah. So I think Gordon Grisefo is one to kind of keep more in like the back of your mind is like check in on him here and there. Um, and if you see he's got, gotten promoted, like, you know, go look at him and see if you can add him. If he, you know, if it looks good um, you know, we're Ben Brown is, Pretty close. Garces is the closest, and Grisefo still has some work to do. But he's in AAA. He's one step away. We mentioned it before with Gavin Williams getting the promotion. It's kind of like the last big guy. There aren't a lot of MLB ready AAA arms left. Um, you know, because most of them have been promoted. Um, we kind of already know what we have with um, with like Fought and Stone. Um, they could get promoted again, but like not exactly on anyone's super high list for like stashing or being ready to have for the second half and so you know now it's kind of like there's a lot of guys that like could take steps forward have things to work on and and Graceffo is closer than most if you're looking at minor league pitchers and um and now it's just kind of like working back from that injury building up a um you know a workload going deeper into games he came in in long relief or i guess i guess it would be long relief but he came in in relief uh, in his first outing and then in his uh, first start, he only went two or three innings. Um, and so, you know, he still has to kind of like work up a little bit, but you know, he was really highly thought of coming into the year. He was maybe the Cardinals best pitching prospect. And um, I think if not for the shoulder information, he might've already seen the majors. And um, so, yeah, so I think it's like, watch him, watch how he comes back from the injury. Um, and then be ready if, you know, the Cardinals need someone um, cause he could be solid and he's, has his hype has really fallen off like lamar said you know there was a lot um coming in when he was younger and then even coming into the season he was a top 100 prospect and um we just haven't heard a lot you know other guys have been promoted other guys have gotten hyped and so he's kind of on the back burner right now um so yeah but i mean he's gotten a good amount of whiffs in his in his few innings back um in his start um a few days ago he only went um I just had it up. He went three innings, gave up two runs, um, but had a 17% swing strike rate and got seven whiffs and 41 pitches, which is really good. Um, and his fastball velocity looks good. He's averaging 95, um, which is nice to see that he hasn't really lost anything from before the injury. Um, but the injury is concerning. You know, like it's it's a shoulder injury for a pitcher. That's always troublesome. You want to be aware of that and not expect probably too much. You know, he's not going to just like, get the green light the whole rest of the way. Um, But yeah, if you're looking for a streamer, I think that he'll come up and I think that he'll have some good spots to, to take advantage of. Um, And I don't think a lot of people are going to be talking about him for another couple of weeks, at least.
1: Yeah. I just uh, curiosity. I was trying to take a look um, his high a season. So that was last year. He started high a um, 45 and two thirds innings uh, pitched had a thirty three point nine percent k rate and a two point four percent walk rate point six eight whip um even if yeah. even if you look at his X fit was two point six three so just uh, outrageous stuff and then immediately goes to double a um k rate comes way down twenty one point nine percent uh walk rate six point three i mean walks have never really been an issue for him um yeah you know even the the whip was still pretty good but it just becomes um not striking guys out is is often a lot more hits uh given up
2: and he has he has a lot more swings and miss than he has strikeouts so i think that that number could definitely go up
1: yeah yeah um so interesting yeah and the swinging strike 16.9 at high a 13.3 at double a 12.8 now at triple a so interesting to monitor the swing strike seems to be more in that 13 range than it was that sixteen almost seventeen range at the start of his career. Which I mean, uh, again, yeah. it's just a matter of um, you know, getting against those more experienced hitters is what we talk about, right? That's that's right. kind of the differentiator between the really exceptional pitchers and guys that may be good, maybe good MLB pitchers, but maybe not, um, at that super um elite sort of level, um, is being able to generate those strikeouts at such uh uh um uh in in uh, increased level than um yeah than others, so yeah uh, so that's Chriso, we'll have all the names in the show notes as usual, um, I think everything is standard as far as things to promote, uh we're making our way through, you know, like I said, we're in technically the way minor league season breaks down the the first half champions have been crowned, it's very odd, I'm not gonna try to yeah. explain it, you can look yeah. it up if you're interested, uh, but they are now in the second half uh and then for major league baseball uh we are about a month out Uh, not even that, right a couple weeks out from all-star break yeah what is it
2: well so do you think that the halfway point in the season is the all-star break or the like the end of june so
1: it always can that's always why i get confused because i always mix the two together so i think of the second i think of the halfway point as being the end of june so i'm like oh the all-star break has to be but then i'm like the all-star break is never around the fourth of july i'm like wait when is the all-star break and it's always like mid-july and then it always throws me off of like when so yes yes (laughs) we are close (laughs) to things occurring and then other things occurring for major league baseball how about that we'll just keep it super vague sure (laughs) all right uh with that being said always wanted to let uh, listeners know that you can listen to this podcast and all of our other pitch list pods on the pitch list network podcast page they're all available on the podcast section of pitch list free to find listen and subscribe you can find me on twitter at inside fastball capital i capital
2: f and you can find me on twitter at jake Mache, m-a-i-s-h you can find the
1: podcast itself tweeting out episodes as well as other little tidbits uh at pl on the farm with that i hope you enjoy the rest of your day